Well, hello, everybody. Welcome in one more time to another edition of the podcast YouTube channel, but today it's podcast only, The Big Picture, with Larry Raglan. Oh, by the way, I have to say Larry Raglan, you know, because it's The Big Picture with Larry Raglan. <laughs> really, it don't matter. All that really matters is The Big Picture. But I am Larry Raglan, and I'm excited to have you on the episode, the broadcast, the show, one more time. Uh, today, we're going to do something a little bit different on the big picture. We're going to take you in, like I said, podcast only. This will not be on our YouTube channel. This is audio only on our podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to follow us uh, on wherever you get your podcast, do that now. And if you're on uh, Apple Podcast or uh, Spotify or Google Podcast or fill in the blank, wherever you get your podcast, make sure that you not only follow it, but you also give us a review. And because when you give us a five-star review, especially that helps us tremendously in new people being able to discover our podcast today, I'm going to take you into uh, a session that I was blessed to be able to be one of the speakers at a conference out in Tulsa, Oklahoma for the great John Smithwick. You need to follow his podcast. It's called the reach the reach podcast with John Smithwick. He is a tremendous missionary and evangelist that has literally led millions of people to Christ all around the world. I've been on many missions trips with him, uh, going on more in the future. We send our people on missions trips with him. There's nobody better to learn about missions than John Smithwick. But I was honored to be able to be asked to be one of the day speakers at his recent conference, missions conference, called the Reach Conference. And I'm going to take you into the audio of that, they were gracious enough to give us that copy of that, and this I think it's a powerful word that's going to speak to you today, and is going to show you the big picture of the moment that we're in, um, that we are being trusted in this moment above some of the greatest generals that's ever existed before. So I'm going to caution you to uh, carve out some time, and and if you got to stop it and start it again, make sure you finish the whole thing because I believe there is a word in here that's going to inspire you for this moment. This is not just for preachers. This is not just even for ministers, teachers, and so forth. This is for believers. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That is not a cliche. That is not something that we're just saying to try to work you up. You know, the great generals of the past uh, that led the great awakenings and all the revivals that we hear about, and even going all the way back to the early Church Fathers, the Twelve Apostles, um, Paul, and so many others, in all of God's infinite wisdom and his knowledge of who would be the final generation, he didn't choose any of them to be a part of that. I believe that we are a part of the final generation. I always say it's either us, our children, or our grandchildren, but I believe the final generation that will experience not only a great falling away in the church, but when the remnant rises, the greatest anointing we've ever seen in modern church history. So without further ado, I'm going to take you into this message. I want to call it, He Trusted You in This Moment. So let's go in to the message of the REACH Conference, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'll be right back at the end of this broadcast. Let's go. But I, I wanna I wanna get quickly into it because I'm going I'm going if you ain't had your coffee you about to get it because I'm 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 about to wake you up y'all because I I didn't come in here even though I'm the first thing on a Saturday morning I ain't playing with y'all this morning okay 
Uh, I'm, 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 coming, I'm coming all barrels loaded, fully loaded. I, w- I want to I wanna just come from, a, from maybe a little different perspective this morning. I want to talk to you as a pastor. Uh, I want to talk to you as talking about the importance of the local church and what's got to happen on the ground in the church in order for harvest to really be what we all believe that it has to be. We thank God for, I mean, my Lord, we thank God for the missionaries. We thank God for the harvesters. But there has to be a remnant of people that is sending them into the field. Can I get an amen? I, listen, I'm, I'm going to get some amens this morning, y'all. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to need some help this morning. I say, can I get an amen? All right. I'm going to tell you, I want to talk about a couple of things this morning. I want to I first off say, I, wanna get, I want you to get this in your spirit. It's very, very important for you to understand this. We honor, and you have heard so many of the great names being honored. And even, thank God, we've got some generals that are alive still that have been in this room and many that are not in this room that you could pop off their names that we would literally call generals of the faith. But would you agree that we've lost some pretty big generals here lately? I'm talking about some worldwide impactful generals. That, that impacted the people in this room, millions and even billions of lives. Billions of souls are in heaven. You, if, I, if I was to give this mic to many of you preachers, you could name uh, people that was a part of the awakening, the revivalists, the harvesters, all that, that have literally shifted and changed entire nations. But they are not here anymore. They are gone. They are at the place that we're trying everything in the, every fiber of our being to get as many people to go be with them. Let me tell you something. Peter's not here. Paul's not here. Swigglesworth is not here. I started, say, I started trying to say Smith Wigglesworth and Swigglesworth came out. Because <laughs> I put y'all in the same category. Amen. This hit me not long ago. Of all the generals that have come and gone before us, Peter, Paul, even those that started off, the 12 apostles, all the revivalists, all the harvesters, all the 10 evangelists, all the great names that put, quite frankly, Tulsa on the map, and we all call it the Holy City. They are not here. Can I tell you something? God is, God is not, all, not just everywhere at the same time. He's all-knowing. Do you know that God is Alpha and Omega? He's the beginning and the end. Do you know he's not going to be there at the end? He's already been to the end. Okay, he's not going to be the Omega. He is the Omega. He doesn't predict the future. He is the future. He doesn't exist. He is existence. He's already been there. So he knows the final generation. That's why he could talk about it in Matthew 24. That's why he could talk about this because he's already seen it. Are you hearing me, church? If he's already seen it and he's already been there, get the magnitude of this statement. He did not trust those, not trust. He did not choose to have those generals in this moment. They paved the way for this moment. It will blow your mind. It will humble you, and it should drive you to on your face before God. It should rekindle the fire of your call to realize that our God, in his infinite wisdom, 
which we believe we are the final generation, trusted us to be the carriers of the gospel. While we study and we should, while we, uh, while we honor and we should those that have come before us, they are in heaven saying, do you not understand what a privilege it is that you were chosen by our God to rise in this moment? Well, I'm nothing. I'm, I just go on mission trips. I do a dance every once in a while. I, I, I'm a clown. I do this. I do that. I'm not one of those harvesters. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. Let me tell you something. Do you not that we're all ministers of the gospel? The Great Commission was not just for the people on the platform. It's not the great suggestion. It's the Great Commission for every single believer. That's why you love this ministry, because you are, you, you are empowered to go and be the hands and feet of Christ. He trusted us for this moment. Can I tell you something? It's the greatest time to be alive. I, I get so frustrated when I hear, this is why I'm so encouraged by, by you, John, and everything that was said about the last two years on this platform. Because I didn't hear one negative thing. I didn't hear one thing how we got stopped, how we got shut down. No, I heard, a, I heard a vision that said nothing can stop us. And I'm going to tell you something. I hear so many preachers, so many preachers have said, oh, if it wouldn't have been for the pandemic, I'd have done that. If it wouldn't have been for this. Preachers are quitting left and right, Chris. You know it's true. Pastor, the churches are shutting down left and right. In the greatest moment that we should be rising up, we're shutting down. What is wrong with people? What more do you need to see? I'll tell our church, don't you curse this moment. Don't you dare say, I, I wish to God I didn't have to go through this. Don't you curse this moment. You thank God for this moment. It's the greatest moment the church has ever known in our lives. It's the greatest moment for the church to rise that we've ever seen. People are, the people that are hurting, the people that, that need, know they need something more in their life. They are looking and hungry for God now more than we have ever seen them. The remnant is rising. There is a remnant. That's not a preacher catchphrase. That is Bible. There is a remnant. Do you understand what a remnant is? Let me just tell you real quick what a remnant is. A remnant is basically, when, and for those of you that sow and everything, you know this a hundred times more than me, but my mother, who just recently passed away, just a couple, of, just a, less than a couple of months ago, she was, she was a, a seamstress all, all my life. She made my clothes when I was a kid because she couldn't afford to buy any, buy any clothes. So I've known what a remnant is my whole life. And that remnant is when you, pay, when you make the clothes and you have the cloth and, and you've, you've put out the pattern and you've cut it out and you've sewn it together, those pieces that are left, that are thrown away in the corner, that have no use, there's no garment is ever going to be used from them. They get turned into dish rags. They get turned into, into sweat rags. They get turned into uh, grease rags. They get burned. They get thrown away. They're in the landfills. Those are the remnants. And I'll tell you what, can I just be real with y'all this morning? Many of us have been in the ministry long enough to see the slick-haired, shiny-shoe preachers. They all look pretty. They all look good. They come in with their entourage. Nobody can touch them. They can't wipe their own sweat. I don't need nobody to wipe my sweat. I wipe my own sweat. 
I'm, when I leave here Sunday, I'm preaching another church. They, because of the history of the modern Americanized church, these are the calls that that pastor got. Uh, what is your? What is the kind of water that you will only drink? What? What is? What is the temperature of the room? I said, man, give me some Sam's Choice. I mean, go find, give me some Dollar Tree water. I said, I don't care. I don't even know any of the brands. I said, I don't need anybody carrying my Bible. I don't need anybody wipe my sweat. I bring my own rag. I'm telling you, the day of the big time slick head, shiny shoe preacher is over. It's over. Let me tell you what this is the day of. This is the day of the sweat rags. This is the day of the grease rags. I'm telling you, when the world has forgot those that have been praying grandmas, them people that have been on their face for God praying for revival, and they've not been on the platform, and they've not had television, and they've not had social media, and 1.2 million followers and likes, God is gathering some people, and he's pulling them back to... I told y'all, man, I'm about to... The remnant, the remnant is real. The remnant is real. And I'm telling you, this move of God's going to come from people that are the least likely. Amen. Now, listen, I ain't got no problem with, with, with big mega churches and, and large crowds. I thank God for them. They've impacted the world. But I'm going to tell you, there's, there's, there's pastors, there's ministers, there's revivalists, there's harvesters, there's five-fold ministry gifts with 10, 15 people under their influence. That's about to shake this world. God's about, to, God's about to set them out and say, look, this is what faithfulness looks like. We've preached it a thousand times, but we don't even hear Jesus when he said, be faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over much. I'm almost through my introduction. Now, of course, all week, everybody's talked about Matthew 24. So how can you steal Preach on Matthew 24. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. But I'm going to come from a different perspective. I'm going to take the part where Jesus is still talking about end times, the sign of his return, and he says these words in Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day, everybody say that day. But of that day, an hour that no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Verse 37 is key. But as in the days of Noah, where also will be the days, of the, son of, the days of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now watch this. And did not know until the flood came and took them away. So also the coming of the Son of Man will be. We've preached it, rightfully so. It's absolutely theologically, uh, doctrinally accurate to preach that he's referring back to the condition of the world of Genesis chapter 6, where man's heart was evil continually. Can I, can I ask you, a, I think I know this, this is one of them, them, them lawyer questions, and they say lawyers don't ask a question unless they already know the answer. I know this, I know the answer to this one. How many believes we're in some pretty sinful times? I'm talking about they're the things that, that, uh, that Noah saw. I mean, we're seeing them on another level. But I want to take a different perspective, and I want to tell you something. Jesus, can I just be real? Man, Jesus was awesome. I mean, he was deep. He said simple things that could, that could hit you in a thousand ways. 
There's how many of those preachers, there are a lot of preachers in here, you know there's the natural application, there's the spiritual application. And how many knows when the spiritual application comes into place, it can hit one row and hit all five different applications and be the same thing. That's not heresy. That's not, that's not uh, uh, abusing the Word of God. That's life. That's the living thing of the Word of God. Am I preaching right, y'all? Are y'all glad y'all got up on a Saturday morning? Okay, okay. I'm glad you did. Watch this. Now, before I say what I'm about to say, I want to say something emphatically, and I'm not going to debate you whether you agree with me doctrinally or not. That's between you and God. But I want to say something that a lot of preachers are not saying anymore. I still believe in the rapture of the church. Okay, you can go through the tribulation if you want to. They're going to need some good people here. Huh? How I many are they going to need some folks to tell them what's going on? I will not be here. Okay. So, I still believe in the rapture of the church. I still believe that Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 and many other things in Scripture is pointing us to the return of Christ. I know that one day he will put his feet down on this earth. He will establish the millennial reign, and, and we will reign for eternity here with him. But the reality is this. He is coming back. He said, work while it's day, for there's a night coming that no man can work. <clears throat> What's this? So I still believe in the rapture. And I believe these scriptures are talking about the condition, sinful condition of the world. But I also do believe it's talking about the rapture. And I do believe that you need to look at this in a different way this morning. I hope you can see this. I understand. I ain't got time to preach at all. I understand that there's a great falling away. I understand that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says that let no one deceive you by any means. Sorry back there, I'm skipping over my stuff. Let no one deceive you by any means that that day shall not come unless there be a great falling away first. I understand that. Can I tell you something what you need to get about the falling away? That's not the condition of the sinners. You don't fall into sin from sin. So it's not a statement on the condition of the sinners of the world. It's a statement on the condition of the church in the last day. The great falling away is happening in the church. They already fell away in the world. This deconstruction mess that you hear right now, it lights my fire. I'm so sick of hearing these people trying to deconstruct their faith. Look, get rid of some of this Americanized stuff, but no one has ever deconstructed their faith and got stronger in God. Every single one of them is going less, and many of them are leaving the faith. You don't need nobody to deconstruct your faith. You need to get on your face before God and ask God to show you the true gospel. But I'm going to tell you something. As everything happens and every year goes by and the conditions of the world and the conditions of all that we are enduring goes, you see, and I hate to say it, it breaks my heart, you see more and more people walking away from the church. The pandemic, if it did anything, it basically, I hate to say it this way, it sounds horrible, but it basically removed the fluff and the pretend. And the ones that are left, the ones that are in this room, the ones that are in your church, if they made a decision to be in your house, you need to honor that decision because they have, they have pushed through some mess to be in there. They've heard mamas and daddies and cousins telling them that, they, that they're irresponsible. They're putting people's lives in danger. 
Look, I'm all about being safe and keeping yourself safe, but I'm going to tell you something. It is not God's will for people not to gather. I'm going to say it again. It is not God's will. It's in the word of God. And watch what he said. Even the, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. Even the more so as you see that day approaching. It was almost like God was, and not, not almost, he did know. It was like he was saying, there's going to come an attack against the gathering. And you're going to need it more than you've ever needed. But God, I love the fact that here's the condition of the word and man's heart is evil continually. But God uses the story of Noah to say, no matter how bad it is, I still got a remnant. I still got somebody. They may be very, very small in number. The impact that they're going to make on the world, they'll talk about it for thousands and thousands of years. One man, his wife and his kids and his daughter-in-laws. Here we are, thousands of years later, talking about that remnant. About that, what the world, they call it, they thought, they thought he was stupid. They thought he'd lost his mind. An old dishrag, you ain't nothing. Greasy dishrag, you, you, you spend all your time. You ever thought about this? That man worked on a boat, preached on rain coming. There's a big, there's a big debate on how long it took. And I've studied many times. Some people say even 55, some say 75, some say 100 years. I don't care if it's 55, 75, or 100 years. That's a long time. And here's the thing. How about this, harvesters? Every single day, he preached and gave an altar call. And nobody ever came. Bless God, God called me to preach. I was pretty sure God called me to preach, and I tried that thing, man. I tried it. I set up banners by the road. I did this, I did this, and nobody came. I guess I just missed my calling. No. No, there's something to be said about longevity. There's something to be said about just doing the work. Just doing the work, knowing that God is going to honor the work and the faithfulness. I'm preaching better than y'all shout on this Saturday morning. Huh? Noah and his family were the remnant. The ark is a type and shadow of what we would call the church. I know preachers, you've preached that, but get this. As in the days of Noah, Jesus was very strategic in his words. How many, how many knows he did not say anything just to say it? And by the way, he said a billion things that we ain't even got. So if he said all, I mean, you know he said some stuff that we would love to have heard him say. We could preach it like crazy. But in all the things that he said, everything he said was intentional. And then you put on top of that, he chose to put the few things in our Bible. So you can't even take a the, T-H-E for granted. You can't even take an A. You can't take there was a certain woman. You can't take that word certain for granted. Am I preaching right? We have these words because he said, these are the words you're going to need. So when he's talking about end times and divers uh, uh, earthquakes and divers places and all this pestilence and all this, he goes, hey, but there's another thing I got to tell you. Study Noah. 
Because as the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So I started studying it when I started hearing this thing about the remnant. And all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute. The story of Noah is not just about destruction. The story of Noah is not just about death. The story of Noah is about grace. The story of Noah is about a remnant. Don't you remember what he said? Blah, blah, blah. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Woo. Can I get my water? I had a water. Hey, look, I'll take this one. I stole it. Preachers are good at stealing things in the, in the midst of the anointing. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Can I tell you something? How about this? He was so faithful to God that the favor of God that was on him, God don't say nothing about his wife. God don't say nothing about his kids. I only say something about him. But God said, if you'll be faithful, the favor that's on you, oh, it can't save them, but the favor that's on you will put you in places that will protect your family. And preserve them at least long enough for them to understand what's happening. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Let me tell you something. I got, woo, I'm preaching from experience, you know. I'm preaching from experience. But I'm not slowing down and I'm not stopping and I'm believing. It's the same God that's on me that's got my daughter sitting in here right now. It's going to bring my other daughter. She knows it. So they built that boat. Let me, let me tell you something. The man, listen to me, was preaching every day about something that no one had ever seen or felt. So you can almost understand if they had not spent time with God, if they didn't believe that God was speaking to this man, most people, would have probably been outside the boat because he's preaching about something called rain. And the Bible said it had never rained. If the water, the earth was watered from a mist that come up from the earth. Underground streams was keeping the rivers filled. There was a firmament above the heavens where the water was being held. That's one of the reasons many, many theologians believe that people lived to be so long, lived so long of, of age is because of the environment was so completely different. Moisture was in the air all the time, moisturizing the skin. The air was pure. So, so it's one thing for him to preach, a river's coming, a river's coming. If he preached a river's coming, people would have got it. He's like, listen, y'all, y'all got to get in this boat because there's rain coming. There's what come? Rain. What is that? It's, I don't know. You ever thought about that? They're like, you mean you can't even tell me what it is? No. But I know my God. And I trust my God. And my God told me. See, here's the problem with a lot of times with preachers. We want to add to what God said. We want to try to explain what we don't understand. Noah 
gave us an example. He didn't, we have no record of him trying to break down the original Hebrew and Greek of rain. Can I get an amen? I like to break down the Hebrew and Greek, but there was no word to break down. He just said, look, when it comes, it ain't going to be good for you. When it comes, it's going to represent the judgment of our God. But I'm telling you this, and our God loves you so much, even though I don't even really know what it looks like. I don't even really know what it feels like, but I do know what my God sounds like, and I do know what my God feels like, and I do know what my relationship, and because of my relationship with Him, I know that enough to know that He would not tell me to say this unless this is really big. That's why we built this big old giant boat. Listen, it wasn't just to hold the animals. God's not the author of confusion. God would have not told Noah to preach every day if he did not want somebody else on that boat. That's what the harvest is, church. We've raised tens and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to go find as many as we can to get as many on the boat while the door is still open. Am I preaching good? Say amen. But wait a minute. I'm watching that clock really good. I'm going to be a good boy this morning. Watch this. I read in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, for if, the, for if it was possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sin of man, Jesus would have had to come. But when he came and he lived and he died, that's the gospel, right? He shed his blood on that cross. There is no testament without the death of the testator. And when he died on that cross, his blood was shed. He entered into the most holy place one time with his own blood. Are y'all hearing me? And took away the sins of the world. Remember the prophet? Remember the last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, when he talk, looked up his cousin? I mean, Ray was raised with his cousin. I mean, y'all know how y'all with your cousin every time you say, what's up, cousin? I mean, it's like, he, he wouldn't have, some people think it's the first time he ever saw his cousin. They saw each other in the womb. They speaking in tongues, jumping on the spirit in the womb. They knew each other. There ain't no way you're going to make me believe that Elizabeth and Mary didn't hang out when they were kids. So he looks up. He sees it at this. He sees his cuz come. He's about to say, what's up, cuz? He goes. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. All you've ever known is the covering, the covering, the covering. Still got to go in there every year and cover again. He's going to take it away. And Hebrews said, Hebrews said, because of that, we got a better covenant based on better promises. Can I preach real good right now? That means we got a better ark. We got a bigger ark. There's more room on this ark. If he said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming. He, he didn't say that just so you'd say, yeah, I remember hearing that story in vacation Bible school. It was cute. I watched a cartoon with my grandkids the other day about Noah. No, 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 no. There's some deep stuff in there. And Jesus mentioned it. So let me tell you something. We all know that story. That's why he said that. Everybody standing there knew the story. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. 
You don't get it now, but you will get it. That pales in comparison to the Noah's that will be around in this moment. That's why I call this message the Noah generation. Because the old covenant had one. The new covenant has a remnant of Noah's. We're all Noah's. We're all getting up every day, building, preaching, building, preaching, building, preaching. Ain't it awesome? Ain't it, ain't it just not happenstance because we know how God works that he went from the story of Noah's ark being the grace that showed on Noah then saying when I come down and I come down in the midst of you in the wilderness and sit on the mercy seat I'm going to sit on something called the ark of the covenant. You want to tell me that word ark's not big to God? He saved humanity in an ark. He came down and sat on an ark. And then he talked about the ark again when the end times came. Because see, the ark, it's not just a place where we go. It's a place where he sits. God was in that boat and on that boat. Let me tell you something. Noah didn't know how to build a boat. Who gave him the blueprints? Who told him where to put it? Who told him the dimensions? Y'all hear me? Then you won't tell me it's happenstance that when, he, when the word became flesh, he became a carpenter? He's a builder. Remember, he built, he built a temple who was not, well, that was not made with the man, hands of man, but by God himself. I got to hurry, got to hurry, got to hurry. I'm going to see how many real preachers are in here. You ready? How many give me five more minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, come on. <laughs> I was just checking the preachers. Let me tell you something. The Noah generation... Noah was preaching about something that nobody had ever seen before. The Noah generation is preaching about a move that no one's ever seen before. See, the remnant can see things that nobody else can see. The remnant can hear things that nobody else can hear. While everybody's been, been slick-haired and shiny-shoed, had the $1,000, $5,000 suits and everything, them old dish rags has been watching and waiting and praying and fasting. When is it going to be my time? Oh, I see that guy on TV, Lord. I don't mean to be disrespectful to him, Lord, but I preach 10 times better than him. None of you preachers will ever admit it, but you've all said it. How'd he get that big church? He must have money men in his church. God's over going, I ain't forgot you. Something's going to happen and they don't know what's coming. That's going to purge all the pretend. Listen to me. Let me wake you up in America. 70%. 70% of everyone that said they were faithfully attending and serving a church before the pandemic is either gone, made the statement they're never coming back, 
or our own line and working their way out. 50% of what Barnabold, that was faithful in church, that watched it online as long as they could, now say they don't even watch it online. Half of the church is gone. You hear me? Churches are closing down at alarming rates. In Birmingham, I don't know how it is here, there are still churches that have never gone back to in-person services. In Birmingham, this ain't New York City. It's Alabama. Roll Tide. <clears throat> uh, Can, you, can, can I get a witness, brother? <laughs> oh, the Lord said, listen to Nick say, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Back, back, faithful, focus, focus. Look at the clock, Larry, look at the clock. Let me tell you something. We've seen moves of God, but we've never seen a move of God that all flesh had the Holy Ghost poured out on them. We ain't seen that one yet to where I don't care who you are. No matter where you are, you're getting messed up by God. You think God's going to come back without one last big rain? You think he's going to let eternity talk about Noah's rain as being the, the most awesome rain that's ever hit this earth? Are y'all hearing me? We got a better covenant based on better promises. Our reign is bigger. Joel said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Don't you tell me this generation is lost? My Bible says they're going to prophesy. Your old men of dream dreams. I used to preach about them old men dreaming dreams, and now I'm an old man. So now I like that. I'm like, oh, I know what that means now. That means the holy men of God, the older men of God, will be the, the pillars in the moment, and they will. I'm not playing. That is really the fact. The dreaming is talking about there's a generation that's still here. There's the Joshua's and the Caleb's that are still here. And they're, they're dreaming of how it used to be. They're not forgot the promises that God told them. And they're crying out to these young people, show me what you see. I can't see as clearly as I used to, but I'm still here. What is God saying? And God is raising up young people that are inspiring the older people. And I'm telling you, there's some in their 70s and their 80s that are about to preach with more fire than they've ever preached in their life. Come, come, because something is coming. What is it? I can't explain it, but I can just feel it in my spirit. You know you got to know God. you got to know it. It's got to be in you to do that every day and nobody respond. I, I'm being real with y'all. I know we all, where we're at right now, and I know we all don't want to admit this, but i got a feeling I don't know how many, if any of us, would still be doing what we do with the passion that we have if no one had ever responded to us. No one. Raise $100,000 for a trip and have to come back and tell all your supporters, no one got saved. No one got healed. No one came to the Crusades. That's what happened to Noah. Day after day, 
for a generation of his, what we would call two or three generations. But he never stopped preaching because he was remnant. And when he brought those children in, I love this. I love what, there's so much evidence of the remnant of, of what God's trying to teach us about the chosen that's going to be here in the, in the last days. Peter said, let me tell you something about this Holy Ghost. It's for you and your children and your children's children, as many as the Lord God calls. That's why he got his family in there, because he was a praying man. Closing number one. I love preaching to preachers. I'm going to say this real quick, and then I am going to close. The Bible said there came a time that Noah, remember, remember we're preaching on this because Jesus told us to study this. If you want to understand the last days, you'll see the condition of the world, but you're also going to see the condition of the church in that story. He said, God, one day woke up. It's like every day, faithful day, got up, had his coffee, went through his morning ritual, grabbed his hammer, grabbed his mic. But that day, God said, it's ready. Get your family. You already got all the animals there. Everything that I need to be in there to start over is in there except one thing, you. You've been found faithful. I'm proud of you, Noah. Go get your wife. Go get your sons and your daughters. Get on the boat because it's here. Let me tell you something about my God. Oh, I love this about my God. He gets in the boat. I can only imagine as he's walking up the ramp. Listen to me. This is it. You'll never see me again. I know you think I'm crazy. I'm not coming out again. I love you all. I got to go be with my father. I got to go be with my family. I've laid it all. I've left it all in the field. I've given it all. He walks in the boat. He looks at his wife and his kids. He looks at them and probably says something like this. All right, sit down. It's about to get crazy. And God says, not just yet. Because my grace won't let me shut the door yet. I want them to sit out there and watch the door open for seven more days. While you sit in this ark. For seven more days, I'm going to hold this door open. Just in case. One of them runs. That's my God. Seven more days it stayed open. While they were in the boat, praying and crying, come! They could probably hear him. It's, come, it's about to shut. No one moved. He saw that door go up and shut. And then the power of God came down on that ark. And God took his finger and he sealed because he, What's this? Noah had sealed the whole boat with his hands, but he couldn't seal the door. Oh, y'all didn't get it. He built everything that God told him to build, but he did not have the power in his own hands to seal the door. That's when he said, nobody knows, not even the angels, when the door is going to shut, but my father. But when my father shuts the door, no man can open it. 
That's the urgency. That's why we say, we're already in the ark. We're not trying to get on the ark. We're in the ark trying to get people on the ark. But we know one day the door's going to shut. That door shut. They begin to tremble. People outside going, okay, whatever. And then something happens that they've never felt or seen before. Something from heaven. They, didn't, they don't know nothing about heaven. All they see is that sky, that firmament. Something goes. And they're just like, immediately they go, oh, this is amazing. Remember when you, when your little grandbaby, your baby's outside? They're just, they're just, in, they're like, oh, he said this was a bad thing. This is amazing. Then the Bible says, the fountains of the deep, beneath the ground, the ground broke open. And more water than we can even imagine. Geysers are little, 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 old faithful Yellowstone is a tiny, tiny, tiny picture. Every, on, on the clock, every time you stand around and watch it, is a tiny, tiny picture of what the whole world looked like in a moment. The firmament broke loose that was in heaven that was holding trillions and trillions of tons of water. And in a moment, the Bible said, the boat lifted. The boat don't lift in rain. I'll tell you something right now. The world doesn't get covered in, with 40 days and 40 nights of rain. That was just the sign to the people. I told you, this is what the man preached was coming. But it's even bigger than that. The whole earth. Every piece of flesh was covered. And Joel said in the last days, every piece of flesh shall be covered. Can I tell you something? And watch this, watch this. I'm turning my iPad off. Does that mean anything, preachers? No. As I turn it back on. Watch this, watch this. I'm looking up here. I'm supposed to have 940, right? No, no I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Is that right? What do I got? Let me get my card out. I, I'm, give me, I'm, I'm serious when I say this. I'm just think, I only need five minutes. That's, a, that's real. That's not a preacher five minutes. What we've got to get out of this message is this. Jesus was trying to tell us, you want to know the sign of my return? You want to know that the door's about to shut? There's two things that's going to happen. Great falling away. He said that's going to happen, right? And a great rain and a great flood. That's going to lift the church. Higher than it's ever been. One of my great friends, a pastor speaking, speaking into this world right now on a level like not many people, Pastor Miles Rutherford, pastor of a church called Worship with Wonders Church in Marietta, Georgia. He was on my podcast not long ago. I was interviewing him, talking about the remnant. He said, I'm going to say something about the remnant that God told me. He said, I got good news and I got bad news for everybody watching. The bad news is this. The remnant that will remain, that will be the remnant that ushers in the return of Christ is so small 
you can't even imagine how small it is. It is so much more tiny than you ever thought it would be. Not many is going to be left in it. Because I got news for you. If you think what we just went through is the last thing we're going through, you don't even know what's coming. You need to open your eyes. You don't need to be woke. You need to be awake. Are you hearing me? Forget this woke mess. You need to get your eyes open to the spirit realm. So little by little by little by little, those that have been pretending will fall away. There will be a tiny, tiny remnant left. And it will look like nowhere near enough to make it, to get it done. But I think of Noah. And I think of a boat big enough to preserve every animal that existed that we still have today. A boat big enough to support a family that would repopulate the world was built by one family. He said, it's much smaller than you ever ever imagined. But the good news is, it will be more powerful than you ever dreamed. So as we were talking last night, God downloaded. When I said this to you last night, it was the first moment I got it when I was sitting in there. Because we were talking about harvest. We're talking about how God told me several Pastor, as a pastor, God told me several months ago, you're going to have to adjust what you call a win. What you used to call a win, because let's be honest with you, preachers call a full house a win. God said, your house may not be full, but you got to understand the ones that are in there. That's massive what they're going to do. You got to adjust it. But then I, while I was talking to you, God showed me, said, but not in the harvest. It's upside down in the harvest. You don't adjust the crowds going down in the harvest. The crowds are going to go down in the church. But the harvest is going to explode. Oh, my God, do you hear me? Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord God. Amen. Well, thank you once again for being a part of The Big Picture with Larry Raglan. I'm so excited that you chose this podcast, and I'm excited that you made it to the end of this podcast, a little longer than usual. But God did trust you for this moment. He trusted you for this moment. Embrace that moment and understand God is just beginning to open up the eyes to the remnant, to the big picture. A lot of great stuff going on in the body of Christ. Can you see it? That's why we call it the big picture. See you next time on the broadcast. Don't forget to follow. Don't forget to give us a five-star review. And most importantly, don't forget to invite someone else to listen to the big picture. See you next time.